This is the Hoob It or Lose It podcast, hosted by Pastor Andy Hoover. So a local business owner put a sign in his window stating that help was wanted. The sign said this, help wanted, must be able to type, must be good with a computer, must be bilingual. We are an equal opportunity employer. A short time afterwards, a dog trotted into the manager's office, jumped up on the chair, and stared at the manager. The office manager looked at the determined dog and was surprised, but he understood. Manager says, I can't hire you. The sign says you have to be able to type. The dog jumped down, went to the typewriter, and proceeded to type out a perfect letter. He took the page over and trotted it over to the manager and gave it to him and then jumped back into the chair. The manager was stunned and then he told the dog, the sign says you have to be good with the computer. The dog then executed a perfect program on the computer that worked flawlessly the first time. By this time, the manager was totally dumbfounded. He looked at the dog and said, I realize now that you're a very intelligent dog and have some interesting abilities. However, I still can't give you the job. The dog jumped off the chair and went over to the sign and put his little paw up to the sign, uh, specifically the sentence that said, equal opportunity employer. The manager said yes, but the sign also says that you have to be bilingual. So the dog looked at the manager and calmly said, meow. (laughs) It was funny in my head too. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, to be honest with you. Uh, I want to talk tonight for a few minutes about a topic that we've talked about uh, not too far in the distant past, but uh, this has come back around for me because I think it's such an important topic, uh, uh, specifically language, but this relates to a lot of other areas of life as well. But language is the organized system of speech used by human beings, that's you and me, as a means of communication among themselves. Now, and tonight I want to spend some time, just a few minutes, um, looking at the idea of language. And I think this is all something that we're really familiar with, like everybody understands what I'm talking about. We use language to communicate, we use language to live, Uh, we use language to express our feelings uh, to those around us. We have to have language to survive. Uh, Without language of some sort, whether it's the spoken word or some other form of language, we probably wouldn't survive very long. Uh, Have you ever tried to not speak for an entire day? Uh, Very difficult to do. Some of you uh, could not achieve that at all. I could not achieve it at all. Anybody feel like they could achieve not speaking for an entire day? Not not one time? uh, Several of you, that's good. How many of you absolutely know that you wouldn't last five seconds? Okay. Uh, My mom used to play the quiet game with us when she was annoyed. Um, You guys know what I'm talking about. She'd be like, okay, quiet game. I'd be like, I lose, you know, like immediately I would just be like, I can't, I can't do it. There's just no way. Um, and so it, it's difficult uh, to, to be quiet. It's difficult. And, and why is that? I think it's this, uh, for this reason, because you guys, we were designed to be in relationship. I mean, that's, that's what God created us to be. He created us to be in relationship with one another. And so we use language to communicate uh, with each other. Uh, the second that you walk into a room full of people, what are you doing, right? Your eyes are scanning the room, scoping and hoping maybe. But nevertheless, you're, you're scanning the room. Some of you were like, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, but you're, you walk in a room and you're scoping around and you're looking things, checking things out. But what are you doing? You're immediately looking for someone 
that you can what? Someone you can talk to. That's what you do. You don't look for somebody and go, oh, good, I found you. And then just not say anything. Like you walk up to them, you run up to them, and you start talking uh, right away. We could spend all day talking to someone. Uh, in high school, I had friends uh, that were dating. Um, it was really awkward. Uh, but they were dating, and they would hang out with each other. We'd be at like Kings Island or something. And they would hang out with each other all day. And then they would go home. And as soon as they got home, this is pre-cell phone and pre-text, Snapchat, Instagram, everything you were thinking of right now. It's no matter what you're thinking, it's pre-that, okay? So just no matter what it is, it's pre-that, okay? And so they would go home, and they would use their house phone. Do you remember those? Anybody still have a house phone? Yeah, a couple of you, cool. Uh, they would use their house phone as soon as they would get home, and they would call each other after spending all day together uh, because they were, like, super in love, and it was gross. Um, uh, and I actually have known people in high school and some in college um, that were so, they so wanted to communicate with each other that they would call each other on the phone and then watch a television program together. That's stalkerish, yes. So listen, here's the thing, you guys. We're people, we're people that want to talk, right? We want to express ourselves, we want to communicate, um, uh, and we want to use the language that we've been given. Uh, even, uh, you know, even I was thinking about this, even if the English language had never been invented, even if the spoken word had never been invented, we would all come up with some way to communicate uh, with each other, like winks or facial expressions or like, you know, stomps, like three stomps is this game is rigged, right? You know, this game is rigged, right? Three stomps equal, that's two stomps, one more. Three stomps is this game is rigged, four stomps is I'm hungry, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We would come up with some way to be able to communicate with each other. And what I want us to look at tonight, just for a few minutes, is what happens when that language that we have goes bad. What happens when that language goes bad? The word foul, you guys have heard that language or that, that, that word before, the word foul. It means extremely offensive to the senses. Dirty, disgusting, or stinking. You might say that something smells foul. You might say that something looks foul. You might say that something tastes foul. Anybody ever eaten anything that tastes foul? You know, it's like the grossest thing on the planet. And listen, here's the deal. When you combine those two ideas, is when you combine those two ideas that we get this idea of foul language. And, it, you know, if those of us that are here tonight were to be completely honest with ourselves, just in a moment of honesty, you would have to say that sometimes you don't struggle with using bad language. You don't struggle with using foul language. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but I really want you to reflect on this just for a minute. You don't struggle with using bad language or foul language unless you're at school. And, and some of others of you would say, you know, um, I don't really struggle with using bad language or foul language unless I'm really, really angry. You know, and, and others of you would say, hey, you know what, man, it's, it's, it's a constant struggle for me. It doesn't matter if I'm happy or sad or anything. Like I always struggle with the words uh, that I use. Has anybody ever heard the phrase, and we've talked about this before, so I hope every hand goes up, but if none does, it's fine. Um, has anybody ever heard the phrase uh, garbage in, garbage out? Um, it, it's, actually a, it's actually a computer kind of programming lingo, maybe a little bit, uh, G-I-G-O is this idea, garbage in, garbage out. And here's the deal, you guys, with garbage in, garbage out. A computer only does, and this doesn't seem like this. Some of you are like, you've never met my computer. A computer only does what you tell it to do. 
Okay, now that's a, some of you are like, that's a lie, okay, because my computer acts crazy. But listen, in reality, a computer only does what you tell it to do. But here's the thing, the computer often gets the blame for the problem, but the responsibility usually lies not with the computer. It's not a computer error. It's usually a, a user error. And here's what I want us to understand tonight, that the human brain is, is, is what, what I would consider, and most people would consider, the, the most complicated, the greatest computer that's ever been programmed. And our conscience and our talents and our common sense and your gut instinct, you know what I'm talking about? Like that just thing that you're kind of born with, that's built in at the factory, right? Like God designed you with a conscience. He designed you with just some common sense and a gut reaction. You ever been in a situation and you're kind of like, mm, I don't know, but this doesn't feel right. Like that's built into you. That's called our, like our, our conscience, like our, our just common sense, like this gut reaction thing that we have to a situation where we say, you know what, I'm not sure about that. So those are things that are built in at the factory into your computer, into the computer of your brain. Now, parents come along and teachers come along and coaches come along and culture in general comes along and they add in things like social etiquette, don't be a dummy, don't put your elbows on the table, wipe your face off, brush your teeth, do all of those things that, that you know you should be doing. They teach you about science, they teach you about math. Those those are all things that come along later. But here's what's interesting about the greatest computer that we have. The interesting thing to me is that after a while, what's tremendous about the brain is that after a while, it starts to program itself. And the data that is fed into the brain determines, uh, when, when we feed this data into the brain, it, uh, the brain kind of determines, hey, am I going to assimilate this or am I going to push this out? Is this information that I can use or is it information that I can't use? And it's either going to accept the data that you're coming in with or it's going to reject the data that you're coming in with. So do you understand what I'm driving at? All of this data that's coming in, your brain is either going to say, hey, that's useful stuff, and I can accept that, I can assimilate that, and I can figure out where that goes in my brain, or that's bad data. That's data that I can't use, and they kind of, they kind of reject it, or they kind, of, they kind of degrade it. And here's what I want us to understand. Many times we see the garbage output in our lives, specifically tonight when we think about our language. We see all the garbage output of our lives, and, and we kind of step back and we go, well, you know, that's just the devil, or, you know, that's just the world that we're living in, or, or you know, or that's just, you know, some sin that I have, or, or whatever the case is. And we're always looking to blame something else for the bad garbage that we have coming out. But more often than not, and this is really, you guys, what I want to challenge you with, more often than not, it's that we've been putting garbage data into our computer system. I mean, do you understand what I'm driving at here tonight? More often than not, it's not the responsibility of anybody else. It's not the computer's fault. The issue is it's a user error, and we've been allowing bad data, we've been allowing garbage data to come in to our lives. And listen, here's what I want you to get. If that's all you ever put in, garbage in, then that's all you're ever going to get out. In the book of Galatians, Paul writes this. He says in Galatians chapter 5, he says this in verse 16 and 17. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants you to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And then he says this, you guys, he maps this out with such clarity, like I love his writing. He says these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good 
intentions. And so I love this idea, you guys, that these two natures, we have these two natures within us. We have this spirit nature and we have this sinful nature and they share the same environment of your life. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we're like, oh, well, you know, I got my, my sinful nature over here and my, and my spiritual nature over here, and they're kind of like doing their own thing. No, they're sharing the same environment. Listen to this. Check this out. They're sharing the same ears. They're, they're sharing the same eyes. They're sharing the same senses. There's only one environment, but you have these two natures inside of you that are competing for the same space. And here's the thing that you have to understand, that these two natures, you guys, they become really territorial. I mean, you jiving with what I'm saying here? You understanding what I'm getting at? They're, they become really territorial with the shared space that they have. It's like sharing a broom with a sibling. Anybody share a room with a sibling? Man, that just blows, man, right? You know, like, that's just really tough. Sometimes it can be really good, but sometimes you just want to, like, Kill them. Okay, that escalated quickly. But okay, yes, maybe you want to kill them, you know? But, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you're sharing the same space. You're occupying the same space, you guys. And that's the case with these two natures that we have inside of us. And here's what I want you to get. Each of these two natures, the sinful nature and the spiritual nature, each of those two natures, you guys, they want to rule your heart. And the determining factor, listen to this, you guys. Listen to this. The determining factor of which one lives and which one dies is food. It's data. And some of us are sitting here tonight and we're like, hey, hold up, Andy, that doesn't make any sense because, you know, I'm not choosing all the garbage that's in my life. I mean, I go to public school. Some of you are like, hey, I'm not choosing all the garbage in my life. You know, I got a part-time job. Or, you know, maybe your home life isn't, you know, maybe you're hitting garbage in at your home life. And some of you are you're getting all of this garbage in, and some of you are saying, you know what, it feels like I'm being force-fed. I'm not choosing any of those things. It feels like I'm being force-fed all of this garbage into my life. And here's what I want you to get. The garbage that's being put into your mind may indeed be a result of someone force-feeding it to you. We can't control everything that's around us, right? We can't control school. We can't control what happens at home. We can't control what we hear in the neighborhood. Sometimes we can't control what we hear at church or whatever it is that we're hearing, wherever that source of garbage is. Sometimes we can't control that. But what I want you to remember is what I said a minute ago, the determining factor, listen to this, the determining factor of which one lives And which one dies is food. So the determining factor of which type of language lives and which type of language dies is food. And sometimes the reality is, some of you have already acknowledged, sometimes you can't cut off all of the negative input into your life, right? I mean, you can't just, we talked about this when we were talking about purity with the the yellow brick road. Sometimes you can't just gouge your eyes out and choose not to go to school anymore and not to ever gaze upon a person of the opposite sex again. Like, that's not going to work. Sometimes you can't control some of the stuff that comes into your mind. Because it's just being force-fed into you and you can't do anything about it. So sometimes you can't control that, but what you can control... What you can control are the positive things that come in to your life. You can't control necessarily all of the the sinful input that comes into your life and all of the negative input, but what you can control is the amount of spiritual food that you feed your spiritual nature. Does this make sense? You can't control what's coming in negative, but you can control what's coming in positive. 
In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul also says this. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. He says this, you guys. I mean, listen, he makes this, he makes this crystal clear for you and I. And sometimes we, we read the Bible and we read scripture and we're like, well, I don't know how I'm supposed to live a pure life. Like, what do you want me to do? It's just really difficult. And I don't really understand what the Bible says. Listen, this is so simple. It is so simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Listen to what he says in Philippians 4.8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, we can't control all of the negative input, all of the garbage, all of the negative data that comes into our lives, but I can control what I choose to stuff my mind with to feed my spiritual nature. I can choose to stuff my mind with the truth of God's word. I can choose, choose to stuff my mind with things that are honorable or things that are right or things that are, that are in the vein of purity. I can choose to stuff my mind with things that are lovely or things that are admirable. I can choose to stuff my mind, you guys, with things that are worthy of praise. Why do, why do your connect group leaders, why do your parents, why do, why do people say to you, hey man, make sure you're spending time in God's word? It's not just so you can check it off. It's not just so you can, oh, I read my Bible tonight. No, the point is we want you to stuff your mind. I need to stuff my mind with things that are pure and admirable and lovely and worthy of praise. And the more that I choose to do that, and after I've stuffed my mind with all of those things that are going to, listen, feed my spiritual nature, my spiritual nature, you guys, is going to get fat. My spiritual nature is going to get heavy. My spiritual nature is going to get hefty. It's going to get a little portly. It's going to be well-fed. And that's a good thing. And here's what's going to happen. The more that you feed your spiritual nature, And the more that you strive to cut off the feeding to your sinful nature, which leads to the foul language that we use, eventually that sinful nature, you guys, is going to wither up and die. Because there's only so much space in there. There's only so many resources to go around. And if you're feeding your spiritual nature every day with things that are pure and admirable and lovely and worthy of praise, then our sinful nature is going to wither up. And here's the, here's the commitment, you guys. Here's the commitment I believe God is calling us to. I think there are some of you here tonight that need to make a commitment to start feeding your spiritual nature more. I mean, look, you come to church. Some of you go to a Christian school. Some of you have grandparents that drag you to church on Sundays or whatever the case is. Some of you pick up a Bible when things are really, really tough. Listen, I'm not talking about that. And honestly, honestly, language, it's just one aspect of this whole thing. I mean, fill in the blank of whatever it is. Maybe for you it's impure thoughts or bad language. Whatever it is that's tempting you, here's the reality. Some of you here tonight need to make a commitment to say, you know what? I'm going to start to be aggressive in feeding my spiritual nature. I can't get rid of all of the negative garbage, but I can control what I take into my heart and in my mind that feeds the spiritual nature. So what's that look like? That looks like making a commitment to be in God's word on a regular basis, 
I'm not talking regular like once a week, like you pick it up, you're like, Jesus wept, boom, done. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting serious about being in God's word. I'm talking about being a person who, 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 who hungers for prayer. I'm talking about a person who says, you know what, I'm going to cut off these, these sinful nature relationships that I know aren't good for me. I'm going to cut those off, and I'm going to invest in, in relationships that I know are going to feed my spiritual nature. And we struggle so much, you guys. We struggle so much, and we don't understand why, right? We sit there and we scratch our head. We're like, you know, I hear the youth pastor talking. I hear my mom talking, my dad talking, my pastor talking, whoever it is. I hear these people talking about how easy it is, and oh, I just got to love Jesus. Why is it so difficult for me? Listen, it's difficult for you because you're not feeding the right nature. You're feeding the sinful nature. And your spiritual nature is starving. Thanks for listening to the Hoove It or Lose It podcast. For more information or resources, visit www.hooveitorloseit.com or on Facebook at Hoove It or Lose It.